Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. There's an interesting story about Jesus in Matthew 8. After ministering to the crowds all day long, uh, Jesus got into a boat. And his disciples followed him, of course, and he set out across the Sea of Galilee. And when, when they were out in the boat, a terrible storm came up upon them. And the wind was so strong that the waves were smashing against the boat and they were actually splashing up over the top of the boat. And as the disciples were frantically trying to deal with the situation, Jesus, how many know who Jesus is? Jesus was asleep. They had just assisted Jesus in ministering to the masses. People healed of disease. Demon-possessed people delivered. Awesome miracles taking place. And, and, and now they were going to die, these disciples, because in their great time of need, Jesus was asleep. And they proceeded to wake Jesus up and said, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus woke up and he said, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Because uh, have you seen what's going on, right? Then he got up and he rebuked the storm and the winds and waves went completely calm. Of course, his disciples were amazed by this and they said to one another, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I've thought a lot about these verses over the years and I, I know that an anchor below turbulent water can keep a massive ship from drifting or, or being tossed about by a storm. But the faith of Jesus in, in this instance, the faith of Christ, that was the anchor here. The storm raged against him and he slept peacefully. And we could say, oh, well, that's because he's Jesus. He's God and, and, and he, he had all this power as God. And, and yes, he was 100% God and he was 100% man, that's for sure. But Jesus not only came to us to live among us and die as a ransom for sin for anyone that would choose him as their savior, but he came to be our example in this life. He was fully God, as I said, but he emptied himself of that and lived in the way that we have to live, depending on what we have to depend on so he could truly become our example. I've said before that he lived this life and he didn't tap into his Jesus powers, his God powers, so that he could defeat temptation. He defeated temptation in the, with the same tools that we can defeat temptation with. He got through this life using the same tools that we have available to us. And he did that so that he could be our example and that we wouldn't think, well, he did it and we can't, so let's just give up. One thing is for sure, in this life, we will all encounter storms. They will try to toss you around and they'll beat against you trying to, to get you to lose your faith and they will bring doubt and fear to try to cripple you. But the question is, will we allow the storms of this life to destroy destroy us or will we, like Jesus, have a, such a strong anchor of faith that we peacefully rest while the storm is raging all around us? You know, I think it's interesting. Jesus' faith did not keep him from experiencing a storm. Our faith does not eliminate storms in our life. It just doesn't. 
But the interesting thing is Jesus slept through the storm because he was so at peace, because he knew who his father was. And just like that, we, as we experience storms in this life, can be at peace, maybe even sleep through the storm. That would be great, wouldn't it? And it's not that we don't have storms, it's that we just rise above them with, with the Lord at our side and we, he just carries us through and it's like they don't have the effect on us that they would if we didn't have Jesus as our savior. I, I think it's interesting that God gives us these kinds of tools. And, and how do we acquire that kind of faith that gives us that kind of anchor? How do we develop it to the place where the storms we experience in this life don't take us out as they occur, but we ride them out with a peace and a confidence, an assurance that everything's gonna be fine, even better than fine? So over the next several weeks, I wanna share with you some practices, some habits, some basic elements of our faith that when practiced and lived out will act as anchors of faith, anchors for our faith, and honestly, I, I, I just got to tell you, as, as a pastor of this awesome church, and I love this church, I love the people in this church, I pray for the people of this church, I think we're the greatest church in the history of churches, not because I'm the pastor, but because you guys are so awesome. We really have something special here. Would you say amen to that? Amen. It's amazing that God has put us all together for such a time as this. But if I was to just narrow down what the most important thing I could ever tell you was, it, it's gonna be this series. I, would wanna, I wanna challenge you to adopt some things into your life that maybe you've always known you've needed to adopt into your life, but you just never have. And these things align with what we have determined in this church as our, our core values and what those are. But, but more than that, they are a crucial part of every believer's walk with Christ. These anchors will hold you through life's most challenging storms. Anchors that give you such a strong faith that you can even be at peace in the midst of those storms. And this morning, I'm gonna start by giving you the most significant one of those anchors. And this is a new series starting today. You, know, you, should, you should start the new series right at the beginning of the year. And we're not quite there yet, but why don't we just kick off the new year running, right? Instead of, instead of waiting for the new year, and that's what we're doing today. But I want to give you the most significant anchor, and it's the anchor of the Word of God. The Word of God. There once was a man who inherited a personal library of his extremely wealthy uncle, this man was not much of a reader and didn't think a whole lot about this inheritance, but, and actually he was a little disappointed with it when he found out what it was. But he, he took what he had been given and he took it thankfully and all those boxes of books, they just went into his basement and there they sat. Months went by and one day the man happened to go down into his basement and started, he started thumbing through the, his uncle's old books and as he reminisced about some of the wonderful times that he had with his uncle. And suddenly an envelope fell out of one of those books and his name was on it. He quickly tore it open and there was a note. It said, within these books, you will find some of the greatest treasure I own. Read them, apply the knowledge within them, even let the wisdom between the covers become the very wisdom you live by. The wisdom that I gained from studying them made me wealthy, and it can do the same for you. I love you, 
and I know you will do great things. The man wiped away some tears, and he proceeded to put the note back into, his, uh, into the envelope, and then he noticed it. The envelope had more than just a mere note. It contained several hundred dollars of cash. So what do you think the man did next? Yep. <laughs> he proceeded to look in every book for more envelopes of cash. And lo and behold, there were massive amounts of it. So much, in fact, that by the time he had checked every book, it was enough to set him up for life. The Bible is not just a book, church. It is the book. It is the God-breathed, inspired word of the Lord God himself. It is full of treasures untold, enough to set you up for life. A collection of 66 books by over 40 authors who God literally breathed his own words into as they wrote them down over a 1,600-year time span. Its timeless truths and its historical accuracy are continually proven to be valid over and over and over again. It deals with hundreds of controversial subjects and never contradicts itself. And despite those that have tried to burn it, ban it, suppress its production, it continues to be the best-selling book on earth by a long shot. Over 5 billion have been sold. Over 100 million every year have kept it as the best-selling book year after year after year. The Bible, the scriptures, God's word. No book has ever been quoted as much. No book has ever been more referenced. No book has ever been translated into so many languages. And no book has ever been more widely distributed than the Bible. This book is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. The word of God in the flesh is the person of Jesus Christ. To know what's in the book is to know Jesus himself. He is the personification of the word of God. This is the most important thing we could ever possess is our Bible, our sword. This is why one of the core values of our church is biblical preaching. That means we preach from the Bible. It's our source of truth, our life manual. We let it judge us and we submit to what it says. Did you hear what I said? We submit to what it says. We submit to what it says. It's our direct connection to the character and nature of who God is. The Bible is absolutely beyond incredible and amazing. And within its pages, we can find all the truth that we could ever hope to need. And yet, many Christians have let their commitment to reading and studying this book backslide to a place where they know very little about what it says or they don't understand the meaning of what it says. Church, we're a country that was founded upon biblical principles. And in just a few generations, we have become a culture that is almost biblically illiterate. For some people, the Bible has become like that dusty old library containing untold treasures of wisdom. Many Christians will never get to enjoy and understand it. Sure, they may shake out some emergency verses once in a while, like cash in the envelope, but they miss the real treasure that comes only from studying, meditating on, and applying its truth to their lives. And church, my goal here this morning is, is not to guilt trip anyone. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. 
I want to even compel you to grasp the importance of personally diving into all that the Word of God has for your life because it will absolutely anchor you. How does it do this? I'm so glad you asked. It charts our course. You know, nautical charts are specialized types of maps that are used for marine navigation. They show water depth, the exact location of shorelines, major topographic landmarks, and other navigational information that's needed. Nautical charts are used as a work area on which the navigating sailor plots their course. It assists navigators in avoiding dangers and arriving safely at their destination. You know, when accidents happen at sea, the specific nautical chart that is used to plot the course, it actually becomes a very important legal record that's used to reconstruct what happened so liability can be placed on those at fault. The Word of God helps us to chart our life's course. When we read it and submit to it, it will keep us from dangerous situations. And it warns us to steer clear of those things that can harm us and lead us away from the Lord. Proverbs 16.9 says this, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Understand that the Lord will establish and direct your steps as you continually put forth the effort to know him through his word. You know, the Bible is clear. I'll give you an example of this. The Bible is clear that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It's a verse people don't like very much because it kind of tells them what to do. How many have ever read the Bible and you, you realized it was telling you something that you didn't want to hear? Well, I'll do it my way. That never goes well, does it? The Bible says very clearly, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And that clearly means that we should not be in yoking relationships. What's a yoke? Uh, and, and some of you may not know this, but when they would put ox together to work the fields, they would put a yoke on them, and the two would work in tandem. And two oxen could, could out-pull um, one oxen, not by twice as much, but by like 16 times as much. It's amazing. They would yoke them together, and it would bring them together. So it's, it's a close-knit, unifying relationship when we say yoked. And it says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And that means we should not be in those yoking relationships. Marriages, or, or, or maybe, maybe that's a good example, a marriage, or even extremely close intimate friendships with those that are not at the same spiritual maturity level as us. Are you saying I shouldn't be married to a non-Christian? Yep. Am I, are you saying that I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't date a non-Christian? Yep. Are you saying that I shouldn't be in close, intimate relationships uh, with, with someone like a friendship if they don't know Jesus? Yep, that's what I'm saying, because that's what the Word of God says. Well, how do you, get, how do you befriend people then? You, don't we have to befriend people to win them to Jesus? Sure you do, but you don't have to become so closely intimate with them that their life starts pulling you away from Jesus instead of you pulling them to Jesus. That's what it's talking about. Don't marry someone that doesn't challenge you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. I take it a step further. I don't just say, well, they have to be a Christian. How many know there's Christians and then there's Christians? You know what I'm saying? Don't become so close in friendship with someone that is an unbeliever that they begin influencing you and dragging you down in your faith. I've already said that. 
And I've heard all the arguments, but the word of God is clear on this. If you enter into these types of relationships and ignore this simple truth in scripture, it's one verse, guys. You will, have, you, you will also have to endure, if you do that, you'll have to endure the consequences that come with those actions. In a marriage, for instance, that person may come around and find faith. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not. But you will have to go through a struggle to get there. It'll be tough. And, you may never, and they may never come to Christ, and you'll never get to enjoy the spiritual intimacy that a God-honoring marriage can be. The fun that it is to be married to a Christian who loves God as much as you, maybe more. I used to tell the youth when I was a youth pastor, don't marry, any, don't marry anybody that doesn't love Jesus more than you do. Meaning, you better have someone in your life as a, as a marriage partner, as a spouse, who's pushing you in your faith and not constantly dragging you back. And I'm not dogging on anybody who isn't in a relationship like that right now. You know, wherever you're at, great. You just start doing what God says from here on out. And he'll... Do what he promises he'll do. You know, I dated several, uh, this, this sermon's really not about dating, I just think it's a good example of one scripture. I, uh, I dated several really nice Christian girls before I met and fell in love with Alyssa. And most Christians would have said that those relationships were equally yoked because they were Christians, I was a Christian, it should work. But, but I, I knew different. I knew that I not only needed a Christian wife, I needed a wife that I could be yoked together with in my calling. Someone different than me, someone who could not only be my helpmate, but who could be my teammate. I needed that. And I needed someone who believed doctrinally like I believed. That was important. I needed a Pentecostal hottie who understood <laughs> the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. How many got a Pentecostal hottie with you today, right by your side? Yeah, amen. I mean, turn to them and say, you're a Pentecostal hottie. You can find that term in the book of hesitations, I guess, so. But I knew I needed that, and praise God, I waited and chose wisely. Following the truth of that scripture, just that one scripture, it charted my course. It charted my course in a way that has kept me from all sorts of hardships. And that's just, again, one verse. We got a whole book full of verses that can do that for us. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit. Oh, we love that word, don't we? Submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. We all like to act as if we know what we're doing and, and why we're doing it, but here's the truth. All of your wisdom, all of your knowledge, it's foolishness compared to the wisdom and knowledge of God. The know-it-all Cliff Clavens of the world, some of you know what that means, some of you don't, and that's okay. They can bask in their human wisdom all they want. I want to stand firm in the fact that his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are infinitely higher than my thoughts. We don't have to go through life trying to chart our own course using our own understanding. Submit to the truth and wisdom of his word. That's leaning on his understanding. That's how you lean on his understanding. Get it? You, you read it and you meditate on it and you know what it is and you submit to it because it's truth. 
You do that, and your life's course will be made straight. I wonder how many self-inflicted storms we create in our own lives because we chart our own course without submitting to the Word of God. We create the storm. And then what do we say? Oh, God, take care of the storm. It's horrible. I can't believe you allowed this to happen in my life. He's like, uh, quit charting your own course. Quit doing that. Straight paths are easier to traverse than winding, curving, up and down paths. Straight paths can be traveled at a greater speed and with less stress. And if that sounds like something you want, then let the Word of God chart your course. The Word of God is, it's amazing when you read it and you know it and you study it and you meditate on it. It's amazing when you submit to all of that that you read and study and know and meditate on, how straight those paths become. So the Word of God not only anchors us when we let it chart our course, it anchors us when we make it our lighthouse. You know, lighthouses are still in use today, especially where technology is less reliable. And, and when you think of a lighthouse, it's easy to picture this, this foggy night with this uh, ship sailing blindly towards a rocky shoreline. It's kind of the picture I get anyway. And a lighthouse illuminates and reveals the danger so ships can steer clear. We know that. This is so closely related to the last point. But, but even when we chart our course with the word of God, the devil will still come in and try to destroy you and keep you from staying on the path that God wants you on. The word of God, when it's read, studied, and meditated on, will literally illuminate and reveal those dangerous rocks so that you can steer clear. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But even beyond illuminating the dangers so we can avoid them, the Bible can illuminate all sorts of truth in our lives. We not only can learn spiritual truths from the word of God, but it's also full of historical truths and even scientific truths. One of our founding fathers of our country, Thomas Paine, said this, all the principles of science are of divine origin. Man cannot make or invent or contrive principles. He can only discover them. And he ought to look through the discovery to the author. I love that. Psalm 119, 11 through 16 says this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. His word can be our lighthouse, church. And it can illuminate all sorts, of all sorts of truth, all different kinds of truth. It shouldn't surprise us that there have been significant scientific discoveries made by Christians who are simply studying the Word of God. We don't think about this very often. We don't talk about it much. But I, I think it's, it's, it's amazing to me. I, I, I want to share an article that's, that's in my Founder's Bible. How many have a Founder's Bible? It's a great piece of uh, study. Stu it's, got, it's a great study tool, isn't it? It's wonderful. And I want to share that, that article with you this, this morning. Matthew Morey lived from 1806 
1873, and he began his career as a naval officer, receiving his appointment through U.S. Senator Sam Houston. While ashore between voyages, Matthew Morey was seriously injured in a freak stagecoach accident, crushing his leg and causing a permanent lameness. He was unable to return to sea, and he turned his attention in new directions, but he still related to the seas that he loved so much. On one occasion, while lying sick in bed, a family member was reading the Bible to him, the Word of God. And when Maury heard Psalm 8.8, and I'm not going to read it, you can write that down and look it up later, but when he heard Psalm 8.8, he asked that the verse be read to him again. He said, stop, read that again. And then he said, read that again. He was like, read that again. The phrase in Psalm 8.8 that caused him to pause was the phrase, paths of the seas. It particularly struck him, and he determined that if God said that there were paths in the sea, then there were, and he was going to find them. You know, Matthew Morey discovered that there are definitely pathways at certain locations in the ocean where current streams move faster than the water around them. And if ships sailed in these pathways of the seas, their sailing time was greatly reduced. Maury was the first to chart these pathways of the seas, and his charts revolutionized naval travel. Think of that. The word of God, like a lighthouse, illuminated truth, even natural scientific truth, that upon one man hearing and meditating on the word of God, scientific discovery was made. How cool is that? And I have to say it, church, the word of God can only light your path as much as you let it infiltrate your life and fill your heart. It doesn't work if it sits down or it sits on the shelf all dusty and unused. When you read it, study it, meditate on it, and even pray, on, pray, pray it, it will illuminate the truth. And it might be the jagged rocks of temptation that you need to watch out for. It might be spiritual truths that we seek or, or even natural scientific truths that are just waiting to be discovered. People with lit paths don't stumble as easily. People with lit paths don't have to walk in fear or insecurity about their every move. Commit to being a man or woman of the word of God and enjoy a lit path as you walk through this life. As people of the word, truth will be illuminated for us and we will no longer walk in darkness. Truth of all kinds. And how awesome is that? The word of God, it charts our course. It, it, it can be our lighthouse if we let it be. It can illuminate our path. And it can also act as our helm. The helm of a ship serves as the control center of that ship. It controls the speed and the direction of it. it. It basically is the machinery, whether complicated or simple, it's the machinery that maneuvers the ship. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The message, which is a paraphrased version of the Bible, says it this way. Sometimes I like to look at what the message says because it, it just puts it so wonderfully. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful in one way or the other. 
showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. I love how it puts that. The Bible is not meant for us to merely consult whenever we need some truth or whenever we need a little encouragement. It's been given to us to act as a tangible control center, a helm for our life. And we've talked about how it charts our course and how it lights our path, but if we let it, if we submit to it, it can control our whole lives. And it can steer and direct us, it can slow us down or speed us up. What could be better than letting truth control us? God's word is our source of truth. There's nothing better than his word for us to use as our plumb line, our standard, and the very steering wheel of our lives. And I gotta say this, the word of God, is, it, it, it's still relevant today. That's one of the amazing things about the Bible. As old as it is, it is intact, it is accurate, and it is it still relates to us today in what we go through and in our problems. It's amazing that way. No book can claim that but the Bible. It's a holy book. It's a supernatural book. It's the only way that could happen. And as Christians, there's just this peace and comfort that comes with knowing his word is true. And when it's applied, it dictates the direction and the speed of our lives. In a way, reading, studying, meditating on the word of God takes the pressure off of us we don't have to come up with all the answers on our own, all the, all the controls on our own. He's given us his word, a tangible book of absolute truth, as well as his Holy Spirit to help us understand it. When I uh, pray with people to receive Christ, I often uh, have the individual repeat the phrase, Lord, take the controls of my life. Some of you have heard me say that. This is accomplished. You do that by submitting to his word. It becomes the control center, the, motiva the motivation and the reasoning behind everything we do. Well, I've got plans. Yeah, man makes plans, but the Lord needs to direct his steps. And we need to let him because he's got better plans for us than we do, doesn't he? So many things in life control us. Money, our pursuit of happiness, relationships, the health of our bodies, emotions, anxiety, addictions, pride, situations and circumstances, and the list goes on and on and on. When we commit to his word, to really filling ourselves with his truth, it's amazing how these things begin to control us less, and his word takes or begins to take over and become our helm, the control center of our life. I want you to think of the word of God like that. It is or needs to be the control center of our life. If it says it, we do it. Amen? Amen. If it says it, we live by it. Yes. Well, I, I don't necessarily agree with this one part because I, I think that was just old school and I, I think things have changed. Church, that's not submitting to the word of God. Well, God knows me, he gets me really well, and, and he does, don't get me wrong. 
And he knows that I have a, a need here and I, ha I have to act a certain way uh, so that I can feel fulfilled in this life. And, and, and I need that. And he knows that. So I can do something opposite of what it says and it's okay. No, it's not. Church, you either believe it or you don't. You either submit to it or you don't. There's no like, well, I just, I mean, who wrote the thing? You? Or did God write it? And he wrote it in a way that just, it's an expression of his love because he wants to protect us and hold us and keep us. When we commit to his word, to really filling ourselves with his truth, it's amazing how the word of God can become our helm. And I remember an old bumper sticker that used to say, Jesus is my co-pilot. Christian would just drive down the road, Jesus is my co-pilot, man, this is awesome. I saw a lot of them back in the day. But, but church, if, if Jesus is your co-pilot, I think you'd better switch seats. I don't want to drive this thing. Not when he can drive it for me. We switch seats when we submit to his word. We put him in the driver's seat and let him lead when we let the truth of his word become the control center of all that we are and all that we strive to do. We, when we submit to it, no matter what, no matter what it says, even if we don't like it, you see, we need to resolve in our hearts once and for all whether we're going to operate out of what the Word of God says or out of what we want in our flesh. We have to stop second-guessing the Word or shoving it aside and doing what we want to do anyway. We shouldn't be massaging the meaning until it's more palatable to what we want. You either live by the Word or you die by your own desires. Let it become your helm. You know, his word can absolutely anchor you, but you have to make a commitment to give yourself over to it. You have to let it chart your course. Be your lighthouse. And even let it become your helm. And church, hearing his word preached in church or on a podcast or listening to other services online, whatever, I, listening to his word preached, it's not enough. If that's all you're getting, it's not enough. It's great, but it's not enough. There have never been more tools to get into the Word than there are today. You can listen to it daily. Many of you here use the DAB app, which is the Daily Audio Bible, and that will help you get through the whole Bible in a year, which is awesome. It's a great tool for those that commute to work, and they, they can... Use that time, that drive time to just fill themselves and soak themselves with the Word of God. It, it, it's even good, the DAB, the DAB, uh, or the Daily Audio Bible, is great for those who just don't like reading. How many times have, have we heard, Pastor Jared, I don't like to read? Okay, then don't read the Word of God. Don't let it become, let it become your control center. Don't know what it says, and let your life just... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting... I'm getting. Well, I'm not going to read it because I don't like reading. Okay. And then sit in the corner and suck your thumb. Because that's all you're going to be is a spiritual baby your whole life. Is that just real? Is that true? You got to read the thing. I don't want to say grow up, but grow up. But even in, the, in that, even in that, if you just don't like to read, start by listening to the, the daily audio Bible. You don't have to do nothing. You just sit there and listen to it. What, 20 minutes a day, you get to the whole Bible in a year. I don't like reading. Well, then listen to it. Well, I don't like listening to it either. Well, what's your problem? 
You know what happens if you don't like to read and you start listening to it and start listening to it? You'll eventually want to dive in. It just overtakes you. It's so amazing how it speaks to you, how it, 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 it literally like is talking about things. And you're like, how is my specific day of listening to the Bible, and we're in this part of the Bible, we're in this book, we're on these verses, how can it constantly always hit me right where I'm going through, right where I'm at? And how many know that that's true? Yeah. Happens all the time. That's the magnificence of the living Word of God. There's study Bibles that can be used. There's so many kinds. The life application is a good place to start if you're fairly new to Bible reading. But you couldn't pry my fire Bible out of my hands. I love the study notes. They're the same as the, the, the notes in the full life study Bible and in the life in the spirit study Bible. Awesome, awesome notes. And I love the scriptures and I read the scriptures, but sometimes you know when you read them and I, anybody ever read them, go, I wonder what they meant by that. And you step back for a second and you think about it. And there's all these study notes down below that help you kind of go through that, maybe give you some context, maybe give you some background, maybe give you some history. It's just, it's amazing. Sometimes trying to get through the Bible in a year can be pretty daunting. I wonder how many people in church, because we've challenged people for years to, let's read through the Bible as a church all year long, not just our church, lots of churches. Let's take the 20 minutes and we'll read through it this year. We'll get through it. And is it about numbers that we lose about 75%? It's in the bagats, right? The bagat, the bagat. I mean, there's a lot of people in the church who have read Genesis and Exodus many, many, many times and then nothing else. <laughs> How do you think I know that? I'm one of those people. Just being transparent and honest. Don't pressure yourself to the point of not reading the Word at all. Oh, I'm a week behind now, so now I've got to wait till next year, January 1st. <laughs> Shoot, there goes the whole year. We are so dumb sometimes <laughs> when we think that way. I said we. Don't pressure yourself to not read the Word at all. Start slow and let your time in the Word grow. It will, it will absolutely grow as you dive into it. And, and we, we have a challenge for you this year as a church to read through the whole Bible in one year. No, no. Let's read through the New Testament this year. You're like, well, that's not enough scripture for me. I'm, I'm a mature Christian, and I've been around a long time. I, I've read the Bible, you know, tens and twenties and many, 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 many times all the way through. And so why? let's read through the New Testament this year. And if you're very mature in the Lord, take time to read it, meditate on it, and, and, and really, really let the, its truth soak in. But instead of reading quantity, let's get some quality right? Not that you haven't got quality in the past, not saying that. But reading through the New Testament in one year can be done by basically reading a chapter a day. How long does it take to read a chapter in the Bible? It depends on the chapter size, I suppose, but literally less, I'm sure, less than 10 minutes. Probably five. Five minutes to read something that's so supernatural that it can chart your course, be your lighthouse, and be the helm of your life. And we let it sit there? We just shake out the cash whenever we need it, and we don't find the real treasure within? That makes sense. 
Pastor Jared, why don't you come up and just talk a little bit about uh, what we got going on. As he comes, I'll say this. We have put journals together that uh, you can pick up after the service to help you in this. And um, we've included the SOAP method in these journals. It's, it's a way to study the Bible. It's really easy. It'll revolutionize your life if you practice it. We are at December 31st today, so you could start this tomorrow. Amen. S, SOAP. S stands for Scripture. O stands for observation. A stands for application. And P stands for prayer. And why don't you explain that just a little bit? Uh, yeah, so scripture. Um, so we've got some books that we've put together, and we put them together for this very purpose because we really, really would love to get everybody in the Word this year. And so this is January through March, New Testament. Like Pastor Bray said, it's one chapter a week. So, so scripture, day. I'm sorry, a day, a day, not a week. Wow, I'm really dumbing it down. Right right. Right, I should yeah. just suck my thumb and go sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so scripture is, as you look into this, each, there, there's a date on each one. It's, it's actually five days a week. It's one chapter. Um, so if you, you know, miss a day or something like that, you can make it up on the weekend. That's how it basically breaks down. It's, I believe it's 260 chapters in the New Testament, and so that's how it breaks down. Um, so if you wanted to read just on Saturday and read five chapters on Saturday. I mean, if you, you wanted to stay do caught that, up. you could. Yep, yeah, you could. I, I wouldn't recommend it because no, you no, won't get as much out of it. But yeah, you definitely could. Uh, but so, so that's scripture. You go through the one chapter observation is look, what, basically what is God speaking to you through this? What do you see maybe that you never saw before in that chapter as you read this? Application, how, how can I apply what I've read or what, what I've observed to my life? And prayer is, I'm just going to take that into prayer. And really this is, I mean, it's, it's a way of breaking down the Bible into kind of a bite-sized piece, but it's also a devotional plan. So you could just use this for your devotions. And I would, I would highly encourage you, um, we're going to have these uh, after service available, and we're just kind of asking a suggested donation of $3 because we just want to cover our costs because these things weren't cheap. They're very nice. Um, and uh, what I would, what I'm gonna, what I did actually already with my family is I bought a copy for everybody in my family, and uh, it's something that you could go through together if you wanted to, or give it away to your family or whatever. But um, you know, it's just a tool that we wanted to give you to get into the word because we want everybody to get into the word. We're not doing these to make money on them. Like I said, we're just covering the cost. But you know, if you wanted to give five dollars to pay it forward, you know, then get yourself a book and pay it forward to someone else if they can't have it. If you don't have money, again, it's not about the money we want you to have it so you can absolutely just come and grab one if you don't have three dollars that's okay we want we'd rather have you in the word than Amen. you know have three dollars to cover the cost of this we'll, we'll eat the cost of it to get you in the word for sure so um yeah so we're gonna have these available afterwards and uh man they're just a tool that that's all they are just just to get everybody in the word this will take us through from january to march in the word and then you know we'll go from there but this is a start for the awesome. year awesome and what's cool about it, too, is a, a method like that is that um, it doesn't matter how mature you are in the faith and how knowledgeable you are. If you've been saved for, you know, 50, 60 years and you, you know this stuff, you can still, by going through the SOAP method, get mountains of treasure out of the Word of God. Just the same as somebody who's going through it who might be a brand new Christian and they're still on the, the milk of the Word, you, you know, whether you're on the milk or the meat of the Word, uh, at this point in, in your walk with God, you're going to get a ton out of it either way, right? That, that's, that's just the nature of it. Um, but the point is this. 
the word of God will absolutely anchor you. It will anchor you in this life. No matter what storm the world produces, no matter what evil plans the devil tries to plot against you, your ship can be firmly anchored through your commitment to the reading, studying, meditating, and praying the word of God. It anchors you to him because you can't separate Jesus from his word. He is the word. You want to be in relationship with Jesus, you got to be in his word because that's who he is. Let's pray. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.